Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We're doing our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is episode three, Honor and Athletics. All right. Uh, This is our third episode of all time. So we are going to be wrapping up. But does that wrap up our second or third challenge then? This wraps up our second challenge. This is our Psalm 1, reading Psalm 1 every day for two weeks. Correct. Uh, So just a quick recap for challenge rules. Uh, As a general rule, challenges last uh, for a total of 10 days. That's over two weeks, a Monday through Friday. So five days a week for two weeks. Uh, They're going to be pretty simple daily tasks that theoretically grow us as men. Uh, If you are in our Discord, which is uh, currently free to join, um, you have the opportunity to see a little daily reminder challenge bot, and we all throw an emoji on that message to indicate that we completed the challenge. Um, so the previous challenge was uh, pretty simple. Read Psalm 1 every day. And if you want to hear about the reasons for that, go listen to the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let me just say that uh, for all of our for all of our crew who was on the Discord with us and, and doing the challenge with us, that was, at least for me, that was extremely helpful and just really cool to get to see everybody uh, kind of like doing that together. That was a, like having the accountability and having the uh, just kind of even virtual camaraderie uh, around the around the task was really uh, helpful for me. So, thank you to everybody in the Discord who who did that. Much appreciated. Uh, well, the one of the advantages of having Discord is we have actual stats as well. When I say stats. One of my friends critiqued me. We just have basic numbers for how many days we completed. <laughs> Andrew and I both completed nine of the ten days. We both failed to complete on the very last day Shame actually on actually i and, and i i know i don't know if anyone's gonna believe me on this but i actually did read psalm one yesterday i just forgot to put it in the discord. It in our discord okay i well, even i read it out loud which we can talk about i so i yeah, doubled, we'll I doubled down on it um well if we believe banjo he did better than me right? <laughs> uh we actually there are several discord members as well who completed every single day um, I think we should get, we should get badges or something. Just a few, yeah. We should do like fancy badges or something. Fancy badges. Um, anyway, so I think this was probably one of the simplest challenges we are going to have in terms of just level of effort required or amount of time. That said, I think the effects of it are not simple. Um, so we have some thoughts on that. Uh, Banjo, you care to share some of your thoughts? Sure. Uh, well, to, to be honest, I think I think I was expecting to get more out of this challenge than I ended up getting, um, and uh, the the reason for that is I, I think I think I thought reading Psalm one every day I was really hoping for like fresh insights just like all the time um, major and, re- revelations. That's right. Like I'll be like, oh, day four, this is what it means, and then like day five, oh no, this is what it means. Um, and instead it, it, um, I just felt like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of reading the same thing over and over again. 
Um, and I wasn't really having a whole lot of new thought about it. But one thing that it did highlight for me is the importance of interpreting scripture with scripture. Like, uh, you can't just read, I don't think, I don't think you can just read Psalm 1 um, and, and, and have a full picture of what's going on in the text. Like, you need to know, you need to be reading it and, and seeing it in the context of what's come before it. Like, what has David's life been up to this point? what has been um, the history of God's people up to this point. Uh, and then you need to know like what comes after it, like in the Psalms, what are the other Psalms? Um, what do they say about the righteous man? What does Proverbs say about the righteous man? What does other Hebrew poetry and wisdom literature say about it? And then like, what does the New Testament say about it? One thing that was helpful is um, my church right now is going through a sermon series on elders uh, and, and leadership in the church, uh, which has been really helpful. Um, but just seeing the way the uh, the way that the righteous man is is kind of planted um, in in his righteousness uh, in the Lord in in the scriptures uh, and the way that that kind of ends up lining up with this idea of leadership and and masculinity um, in in the New Testament with with some of those roles for for church leadership uh, I thought it was really interesting so uh, I think I think as and the other value I had, maybe you had this too, Jonathan, was I think I have it memorized now, I think, uh, or at least pretty close. So definitely there was some value, um, a lot of value in it, but I think it wasn't the value that I was expecting. How about you? How did you feel about it? Uh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, especially as far as I think I also had higher expectations in terms of what I thought I might might get from Psalm 1. That said... Um, kind of on your your last point there, there is value in simply reading the same thing every day, committing it to memory, right? The whole point of those first few verses is, uh, blessed is the man who meditates on God's law, right? It, it doesn't say, blessed is the man who has great insights about God's law. Um, and I think that- That's a great that is something That's, that's, that's something we that's need to- comforting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and what you're saying- especially as you kind of vary it up or reading with other passages. So one of the things I do, a lot of people do this, but reading the proverb of the day. So whatever chapter of Proverbs corresponds with the number for the day. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of God's law being talked about in there. Um, and having Psalm 1 as a backdrop to that was very helpful for me to see new things there in Proverbs that I hadn't mm -hmm. seen before. Right? So it, it's not just oh, maybe I didn't see this major revelation about Psalm 1, but it forced me to look at other things differently. Yeah. I think, I think that's really good. Yeah. Did you ever read it out loud? Uh, you know, I never did, though I have a confession to you. Um, so I did read it every day I said I read it. But one of the things, this, this Psalm I've had memorized for years at this point. So it's one of those things where okay. as I was reading it, I was kind of mumbling along with it just because it's, it's in my right. mind as just very ingrained. Um, and then it's, it's one of those Psalms where this, this may sound terrible, but sometimes when I'm trying to fall asleep <laughs> at night, I, I just quote scripture to myself because that's, that's not, not terrible. Not like thinking about whatever crazy thing happened in my day. That's a great it, thing to do. It's very good, but sometimes it puts me to sleep. Like that's the point. Is that is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't that's know. That's a very good thing. Man, I think my sleep would be a lot better if I had that habit. Man. 
new challenge. It's, it's something. <laughs> it, um, it's something my mother uh, handed down to me, just saying, "Yeah, Jonathan, if you can't fall asleep, quote the scripture we've been memorizing." So I try to do that, and Psalm one is on that rotation of just comes to mind. That's see, that's healthier than me. I always just read scary detective stories and then couldn't go to sleep. So. I mean, your ways, but I'm not saying I do this every single night, like, <laughs> but it is, it's just one of those habits and Psalm one is in that rotation. And that definitely happened a few times this week where I was trying to sleep. Yeah. I found myself, especially the last couple of days, I found myself skimming through it again, which is kind of my habit with scripture is just to kind of like get it done. And I was like, no, I'm going to be better than that. I'm going to, I'm going to do more, especially, especially if I'm going to put this much time and effort into it for the for the group and i started uh reading it out loud and that was really helpful because i i had to hear the words i had to hear the poetry of it and i had to like it it couldn't just zip across my brain it actually had to like work its way through all of my senses um and and it was more of that meditation aspect to it it wasn't just like a blip on the radar. Um, right. So I, I think that's something that I need to be better about is maybe taking opportunity to read scripture out loud more. I definitely, I, I agree with that. That's something I 100% should be better about. And I think it that could be a very interesting challenge later on down the line. Just a thought. Well, I think um, I, with this challenge wrap up, we're definitely both in agreement that we we expected more in a certain kind of way, but at the same time, I think we we discovered something that's very important to the Christian walk, and that's simply meditating on God's law, reading scripture day by day will grow you in areas you don't necessarily realize. Um, I think for me, apart from the I'm seeing more things in scripture or I'm I'm getting this better committed to memory, whatever it is. I think having it on my mind and my day-to-day -day activity, the constant, the, just going, wow, I just read this, does not, does not uh, sit in seats of scoffers, right? Like, mm -hmm. and here I am making fun of something that's, I shouldn't be cynical about, something like that. Yeah. Um, it, it did begin to have an effect in that way. Uh, and I think, I think that's good. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think, it, I think. Um, even, even in the, for me, it was like, well, I need to not scoff over God's law. Like I need to be, I, I shouldn't scoff this task. I really got to soak it in and, and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, not what we were expecting, but, and I think also I'll just, as an aside, maybe, I think it's also a little bit of a good warning against like, well, you just have to read the scripture to like as a, as a to-do list thing. Like if you're just reading, I think I felt that in my, maybe around day five, it was like, this is just something that I'm doing to do it. Do you know? Uh, and, uh, I think if, if that's the attitude that you come to scripture with, you're, you really aren't going to get anything out of it. Um, if it's like, that's very fair. If this is what I'm doing to get it, you know, I'm, I'm getting something out of it, then that's not, that's not the right way to approach it. Um, so I think, Making scripture reading a habit is great. Making scripture reading a chore, not so much. Right, right. So, well, it's interesting. There, there are some thoughts on the difference between habits and chores and stuff that 
uh, could be relevant to the topic of today's discussion. So with that, oh boy, uh, I say we transition into our next topic and challenge. Let's go for it. All right. For our next topic and discussion, we have a book this time, or a book that we will be using to guide our discussion, I should say. Uh, and I'm going to have Banjo introduce this book uh, because he is much more familiar with it than I am. Yes. Well, I'm I'm uh, especially psyched for this week's episode and, and challenge. We're talking about uh, one of my favorite books of all time, uh, Running and Being is the name of the book, Running and Being the Total Experience uh, by the one and only Dr. George Sheehan, who I'm sure none of you have heard of. Um, but it's uh, it's a great book. It, it came out um, in, in, um, the late, uh, I don't think I was, I think it was the 70, yeah, 78. Um, and it was written by a doctor who, uh, was a, was a runner in high school and college and then stepped away for it, uh, for about 20 years and came back to it at age 50 and really fell in love with it. Um, and he became kind of an evangelist for running, um, and, uh, had this whole kind of philosophy that was built around running. Uh, and he wrote this book running and being, um, where he kind of gets into, uh, the ways that running has affected his life, the way that, uh, it, um, pushes him and, and builds him and the way that he finds himself. Um, but more than that, it's really about the importance of play. Um, it's not really about, it's not really a book about running. Running is kind of the, the conduit. Um, or the medium by which um, Dr. Sheehan um, appreciates the human body and appreciates kind of the gift of of play. Um, and he's pushing against this idea of, you know, once you're a certain age, you know, once you get past childhood, you don't have fun anymore. You know, it's just you, you do the work and you get in and that's it. Um, and he's pushing against this idea that, that the body is worthless, I think, um, or that that the only purpose of the human body, um, you know, in middle age is just kind of to take your brain from one, one couch to the next. Um, but instead he's really pushing for, um, finding yourself through play, kind of discovering, um, discovering yourself at the end of your limits, I think, um, and finding the beauty in play and in physical activity, um, and in all that good stuff. So I've been reading this book. My dad, uh, pointed it out to me when I was in high school and I read it, um, before a cross country race in high school. And I've kind of have never put it down since I read it, um, the night before pretty much any race, sometimes the day of as well. Um, and it continues to be something where it, uh, pushes me. It's shaped a lot of my personal uh, philosophy, and definitely has shaped a lot of my writing style. Um, JJ, I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, I 100 percent did. It was it was jumping off me, or yeah. jumping off the page at me. It was kind of a. It's like, oh, this is where he gets that this particular is, yes. way he says something. Yes, this is this has definitely been a huge influence on me, both uh, philosophically and in a literary sense. Um, and it's not, it's not, I think JJ and I were talking about before we jumped on the mics, um, that it's not really a self-help book. It's not really a, a running book, uh, per se. It's really more of a, it's almost more like a memoir of sorts, um, uh, a more just a series of meditations on 
um, physical activity and on running. Um, and so uh, I highly recommend picking it up, highly recommend reading it. Um, don't expect it to be like, this is how to become a great runner. Um, think of it more of this is just how to be a great player. And I mean that in the best possible sense. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe we need to cut that. What you say about a series of meditations is exactly right. Um, and I think kind of one of the reasons we came to this book and, and kind of the discussion for today is a question of how does athletics, how does um, pursuing, say, physical fitness or just improving our bodies, uh, how does that affect our lives as men, as honorable men, pursuing God? Um, and so there's, there's a couple things I think we need to hit on to delve into this. First off, play is a big part of this book. So we need to understand what does he mean by play, right? What does he not mean by play? Because I think um, that needs to be un very much understood. But also uh, kind of a discussion of the what you were saying about the body and uh, that, that melding of, of body and soul really matters from a, a theological perspective, honestly. Uh, and I think it's important for us to recognize he, this is a celebration of the body, but I also want to discuss how is this also a celebration of, of the human soul, right? It's both running and being. So yeah, there's, so there's two parts. So I, I want to talk about the play part first and we can get to the, the, the concept of the mind and, or the body and soul, uh, after that. Yeah. Well, and so, uh, there's, there's various chapters in the book. Some of them are, are more geared towards running. Some of them are more geared toward, uh, philosophy. Um, but if, if you get a copy of the book, which I highly recommend, uh, but I'm biased, uh, on, on, uh, in chapter six on page 60, uh, there's a, there's a quote, um, that's right there at the front. It says, run only if you must, if running is an imperative that comes from inside you and not from your doctor, otherwise heed the inner calling to your own play. Play there is capitalized by the way. Listen, if you can, to the person you were and are and can be, then do what you do best and feel best at, something you would do for nothing, something that gives you security and self-acceptance and a feeling of completion, even moments when you are fused with your universe and your creator, when you find it, build your life around it. And uh, I don't, I don't, Again, as much as I love Dr. Sheehan, there's some things that I would push back against him on if if we were in a room together. Um, but one of the things I really love about his definition of play is it reminds me of um, Chariots of Fire. You know, the great line from that movie where he says, what I run, I feel his pleasure. Um, that was a terrible accent, but I'm – keep it in there, JJ. Keep it in there. Um, yeah, we but, will see <laughs> there's a there's a sense in which um god didn't create us just to be you know um cogs in a machine uh, we're not just created to be um doing uh difficult tasks you know we're called to be like little children uh, and and what's the thing that defines little children uh more than anything it's it's their desire to have fun it's their desire to to play um and the way that they rejoice in the world. Um, and I, th I think Dr. Sheehan is, is urging us to find the thing where you become aware of your body in the best possible way, um, whether that's in running or in wrestling or in football, baseball. Um, find, find the place where your soul and your body 
come together to worship your creator, I think. Um, and that's going to sound a little pie in the sky, I think. Uh, and I, th I think you just kind of have to feel it out. Um, but I also think it's an incredibly important thing for, for us to talk about and for men to talk about, because I think our, in our day and age, I think we're losing the appreciation of the body and the joy of the body and, and, um, the importance of those limitations. Well, we, we have that, or we have the absolute kind of hoorah nature of I'm going to get shredded. Yeah. Right. right. The, it's, it's, and it's less about the, it's not being tied to the soul in any way. So I right. think those are the two, two sides that there's one, there's a whole group of people that just says, we don't need the body, right? Everything's about the mind. We don't, right. we don't need any of that. And there's a whole another, another side that only cares about the body so much so that they forget to excel in other areas. So one thing um, early on in the book, uh, Dr. Sheehan mentions, he uses an analogy of uh, basketball to discuss the work and play because he doesn't denigrate work. He, he does say you need to put in your work um, because you have to provide for yourself, for your family, et cetera. Um, so he, he has this quote uh, from a basketball coach. There are days when you can't get the ball in the basket, no matter how hard you try, but there is no excuse for not playing good defense. Sheehan says defense is the work of life, right? Some days you're going to be, it's going to be so impossible to get out there and, and do the play that you want to go do. Uh, whatever it is that is living for your creator through your body. But that's no excuse for not having a good defense uh, and being ready for when that play can happen. Uh, which I think is a very fascinating analogy because I think I have treated my work as this should be fun. This should be my passion. Right. And I think this book says, no, that's not necessarily the case for some people. It is sometimes the work is just the defense of life so that you can be ready when the moment for the offense comes. Well, I think it's such a great point. I mean, I was, I was reading another book, uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, who is my other, uh, I, you know, I have, You're on I have Gladwell these... kick right now. Oh yeah. I just finished the last of my box set. Anyway, uh, he's, he's my other intellectual crush. Um, Anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, what was I saying? I totally lost my train of thought with my intellectual crush. Sorry, so, I'm thinking about intellectual crushes. Uh, that kind of that kind of sentence might be. Anyway, um, anyway, Malcolm Gladwell and David and Goliath. Yes. Okay. So there's a there's a chapter in his book where he's where he's talking about um, he talked about basketball defense and he talks about the importance of the full court press in middle school girls basketball. Um, in there was a, there was a guy who um, didn't know anything about basketball. He was actually from India and he came to America and he was coaching his daughter's basketball team. And he was like, why is nobody playing full court press? You can, you can do a full court press. There's no rule against it. And if you do a full court press, you don't need any particular skills. You're just going to turn the ball over. And because you're going to turn the ball over, in the other team's end of the court, you're going to get easy baskets. So he just taught his kids how to do that. They just always did full court press. And they were the worst team in the league. I mean, none of these girls had any talent. They ended up making a run at the national championship um, just because of the way that they played defense, um, which is kind of incredible if you think about it. But it's also, it's like Sheehan is saying, the, the defense is this 
defense is just showing up. Defense is just fundamentals. You don't have to do anything creative. You don't have to do anything that is outside of your your mental, physical sphere. You just have to show up and get yourself in front of the basket, in front of the ball. Um, and it's ugly. It's sweaty. Um, but defense, as is often said, wins championships. Um, so if you can show up, if you can do the little thing that's hard and put that in, the moment for a creative you know, genius, that three-point shot, that slam dunk is going to open up. Um, you just got to be there for it. Uh, and I think it's, right. I think it's a great point. It, it's not just it's not just the you say the little thing, getting the little thing done, just showing up. I think there's a little more to it than that. It maybe it is a little thing in terms of creative output, uh, but it's still your eight hours a day, you know, five days a week, and then on the weekends, stuff around the house, whatever's happening. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of little things piling up, right? There's so much that goes into that. Your responsibilities. Before you're ready. Exactly. You have yeah. all these responsibilities. Now, for some people, those responsibilities are their play in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I envy those people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. just because like, if, if that's not the case for me, if that's not the case for you, Banjo, that doesn't mean there, there still isn't a reason for that, right? We still have to open up those opportunities. Yeah, and I, I think finding play it's it's for for us and i think in the it will as we get to what our challenge is and what we want to do for these next couple of weeks i think part of the part of the work of this you know doing the little things doing your responsibilities is you need to be responsible for who you are uh for uh your physical person for your emotional person your spiritual person um Part of part of our task as men is to be responsible, um, and I think to take ownership of that. Um, and I think, you know, find find that thing where you're able to take ownership of your body and take take ownership of your soul at the same time. Um, you're gonna say something? Yeah. Well, when, when I think that is made easier in a sense when your play is something you want to take ownership over as well. Right. When you have this thing that you value so much, you're willing to structure your day around it. Now you have to structure your day around it. Now you have to make your responsibilities work. I think it's, it's the dark side of that is if you have found something that say an addiction that you structure your, your day around, you, you're, you start to fail in your responsibilities because uh, you care more about the addiction than you do the, the other things you have to get done. Versus if it's, if it's something you see as play, we, it, we all too easily put that off to the side, right? It takes actual effort to say, I'm going to take this time, this 15 minutes, this hour, whatever it is, and I'm going to fit it into my day somehow. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Like addiction is, is the absence of responsibility. It's the point where you've, you've abdicated your place as, as the owner of your soul, uh, and and you've given it up to whatever this thing is, whether that's you well, know, drugs. And you're, not doing the, you're not doing the act, activity. Well, say not even necessarily drugs and alcohol, but I mean, if you're taking, say, I love disc golf, right? Um, right. I need to go play some today. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with disc golf. I truly, I thoroughly enjoy it. I get out with friends. It's a ton of fun. But if I was taking the time that some people are taking to play disc golf and the amount of money that some people are pouring into that, or maybe with regular golf, what whatever it is, 
it doesn't get seen as an addiction to the world in a lot of ways. But if I start to abdicate in my responsibilities because I am valuing this activity over and above those responsibilities, it's I'm valuing that activity over and above my responsibilities to God at that point, right? Part right. of part of Sheehan's point is everything we do, and this can kind of start to move into the the next part of this discussion. All of this is getting us closer to God, right? So if that activity is not getting us closer to God, then you have to question: Am I doing this just because? I, I mean, I find it fun and sure it's amusing, but I'm starting to spend too much time on it, too much money. Where is this taking me? Yeah, and and I think it leads to a good point. I, and I said uh, something that I said just now was wrong because I said you know you were the owner of your soul, and and I think if from a Christian perspective we have to say that that's wrong. You know, you we're not the owners of our souls. Um, ultimately, they belong to God. We've been bought with a price. You know, our souls are not our own, but belong to God. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's an oft used expression that. Uh, you know, your, your soul is a, your body is a temple. Um, and we say that and we usually mean like, Oh, I'm going to get a great body, but that's not really, yeah, it sounds a little cheesy these days too, but <laughs> right. It sounds very cheesy, but that's not the, that's not the point of that verse. Right. Right. You know, that's not the, it's, it's about, um, purity and, and, and about, um, Maybe that's even the wrong word, but about faithfulness. It's about your responsibilities to God and about your responsibilities to your spouse and to your church um, and to the name of Christ. It's actually about you are you have been bought with a price and and don't go against the name that you've been given. Um, and I think – and what I don't want to say is that in order to be a Christian man, uh, you have to be athletic. Like I don't, I don't think that that's a – right. Absolutely not. I wouldn't say that that's a um, a call. Um, we're not in search of perfect bodies or the ultimate, you know, masculine physique. Um, we're simply looking to know ourselves in mind and body and in soul, um, because we've been given these bodies. We've been given um, bodies that are connected to our brains, that are connected to our spirit, and I think the way that we discover that, um, or a great way to discover that is in athletics is going up against a challenge i mean it's it's the best version of the curse right um in some sense are, explain that explain that yeah 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 yeah. uh you know the, the curse of adam is to you know by the sweat of your brow will you you know will you till the field um and that sweat that we you know that the sweat is so kind of prominent in the curse not because i think sweat is bad i don't, I don't really think it is um, but I think it's like sweat is that that visible uh, demonstration of exertion of effort, um, and there's there's kind of beauty in it. There's kind of beauty in sweat, I think. Um, and sport is kind of the best version of it, I think, where we're we're putting it all on the line um, for ourselves, like in order to know ourselves better, uh, in order to, to take full possession of what has been given to us. Um, we talk a lot. That's interesting. It, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's really interesting that point about like sweat of the brow and work versus play, because I know that feeling, you know, when, mm -hmm. when I've, when I've wrapped up a run or maybe I've been working outside all day and I'm just covered and drenched in sweat, there's this good feeling after having gotten that done. Yeah. But 
if I had to do that every single day to make a living, which I, you know, fortunately I work in a job where I can sit in an air conditioned room. Um, but in previous generations, I probably would have been among the majority of folks who would have been outside living by the sweat of my brow. Yeah. And I think that's something where, uh, we don't recognize the impact that that curse, that the curse has in some ways in our society, right? We've, we've done away with the visible demonstration of the curse there. And in, in some sense, uh, I don't know. I don't want to step off into heresy. Uh, well, here's what I would say. It's, it's almost good. It's almost a good reminder this, of, of the, by the, by the sweat of our brow. Well, so here's what, here's what I would say. So, so one thing to remember is that work is not part of the fall. You know, hard work is not right. Absolutely. Work is not bad. And I think, I think the the thing about the sweat of our brow when it comes to like running, say, cause JJ and I are both runners was, this is kind of where we reside. Um, there are other great forms of physical activity. Um, I wish I knew tennis better or football or baseball or basketball. I played tennis once and I, I got tennis elbow literally my first time playing tennis. So I just, I didn't look back. You have a gift, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, so work is not bad. Um, when we when we're running, um, we're doing something that is, I think, good. But that this good thing is not easy in the way it might have been pre-fall. Um, but I think by by engaging in it, we kind of are getting this access to the thing that we are created for. Adam is created to work the garden and to cultivate it, and by engaging in that hard work, we're, we're doing the thing that we're created for. And I think actually the, I think one of the things about, about the curse in the modern world is we've changed the battlefield. Um, no longer do we have, you know, everyone going out to work at, you know, an eight hour, 12 hour day in, in a field um, where you get kind of this tangible expression of what's going on. Now we're all sitting in office chairs um, well, most of us, some of us are still doing really hard backbreaking work, but, um, and more power to them and more power to them. But, uh, a lot of us are sitting in air conditioned rooms in office chairs and all of our work is on a screen. And I think when we do that, the battlefield is no longer, you know, in the sweat and in the muscles. Now it's all in the mind and the soul. Uh, and the eye strain. I had to get glasses <laughs> that just that filter blue light. Like I don't, I don't even need glasses to see my computer screen, but I was getting headaches. Yeah. And, but I think for, again, we've, we've lost this sense that the body is important and we've lost the sense that the body is connected to the soul. Uh, and I think we need to get it back. And I think the way we do that is through physical activity. That's a fascinating thought. Kind of the living in, like I work remotely most days. Right. I, I am. I work completely well. My coworkers see me as completely disconnected from my body. Right? They hear my voice. They occasionally see my face, but my work is is disembodied from me. And kind of back to the the point about Adam in the garden. Yes, his he his job was to work the garden. It, but he lived kind of in in the presence of God directly. Right. The curse is he lives by the sweat of his brow, right? So that that thing that was good for him, that was, I get to go do this thing. I get to work hard in the garden. But, you know, I could put in a hard day of work in the garden and there's going to be this such an abundance of fruit on these trees. Like, yeah, I got to work the garden, but I, I'm not living by that, by that sweat of the brow. 
right yeah like imagine imagine if well i okay I, we literally can't imagine it i mean yeah we, I, we I'm, I'm sitting here kind of going whoa like what what would that be like to go out do a good hard day's work feel good about it nothing about that day of work was wasted right there's there's food in abundance i don't know that'd yeah. be a wild thought and but i think also it's worth noting that if if you know we can look backwards and see the value of our effort and and see the connectedness of our body and soul but even if you look forward to the resurrection um you know christ christ's death and resurrection is one of body and soul um and in in the new heavens and the new earth we, we talk about there's um there's there's talk of physical bodies um there's we there's will talk. be resurrected i mean that's yeah. literally the hope of why christ died for us right right uh and so it's not just like our it's not just our souls though those are there too those are present but there's a connectedness between body and soul um that we that we can't forget about i think and i think if we if we imagine heaven as only spiritual we're going to miss something um and of course, if we imagine heaven is only physical, we'll we'll miss something there too. Um, but we have to know that our mind, our body, and our soul—you know, those good good old Aristotelian uh, values—are are all valuable. Absolutely, I I really enjoyed uh, uh, Dr. Sheehan's just stab at intellectual professors who take no value in sports. Oh yeah, that's a great. I mean, I'm, a great I'm not a sports guy either. Uh, but what you're saying were they were these professors just denigrate sports and are like, why do people watch the Super Bowl? Like I said, I, I'm not right. a huge sports guy. I you know, I don't really care who wins the Super Bowl, but I do enjoy watching a game occasionally. And I I having run cross country for so long, I get the value of okay, here's my sport that a lot of other people don't care about, but I care about it. And, and yeah, there's this striving and this this piece of me that I have to I have to go out there and show that I can run a mile in this time. Doesn't matter what other people are running their, their miles in, but there's this mental strain and this this almost spiritual strain in that. I, yeah. I don't know I don't know how to describe it. Doctor Sheehan does it much better than I do. Yeah, it's what I wrote my uh, it's what I wrote my uh, uh, capstone, my Covenant College capstone on was uh, was that that experience. Um, oh, that was good. I remember remember reading that. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll put some of those on the on the blog at some point, um, if I may. Uh, I I like to read a little a little Go more from the book. This is on page eighty three, um, and it was something that JJ and I highlighted as as kind of the in some ways the heart and soul of of this book. He says, "From the athlete, we learn that health is not merely the absence of disease any more than sanctity is the absence of sin." Health, the athlete tells us, is a positive quality, a life force, a vital characteristic clearly recognizable in those who have it. The athletes then can be a tremendous force for good on campus. We, not be able, we may not be able to teach virtue, but it is no small thing to demonstrate it, nor is it inconsequential to have excellence in any form in clear view. Education, said William James, is a process by which we are able to distinguish what is first rate from what isn't. Sport, more often than not, shows us the elements of what is first rate. And here's this next paragraph I think is the most important. Sport does this because it is the long-sought moral equivalent of war, not as an outlet of aggression and violence, 
but as an arena where man finds the best that is in, in that is in him, a theater that reveals courage and endurance and dedication to a purpose, our love for our fellows and levels of energies we never knew we possessed, and where we see, if only for moments, man as he is supposed to be. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, that's the, the heart and soul of of what makes this book great. I think is what, and and what. It kind of reveals what what is at the heart of why we need athletics um, is we need these opportunities for courage. Um, we need these opportunities for backbreaking work. Um, we need these opportunities where we see that our mind and our body and our soul uh, are all connected in some inexplicable way. Um, and I think nothing's been more apparent to me, JJ, than than those moments when I'm uh, literally about to pass out in a race. Uh, and I kind of get that, like the, the tunnel is closing in on me and I'm not really sure, but I know that my body is moving, my mind is moving and my soul, all of these things are, are right at the edge of their limit. Um, and, and I love those moments because I've discovered how far I can go. Um, and I, you know, a race where you, where you can't stand up at the end of it, that's a good race, you know? Oh, exactly. I, I know that feeling. I, Yes, absolutely. Well, I think there's a good good spot to end our discussion. I know there's a lot more that Banjo and I would love to talk about. Uh, if you are in our Discord, um, we would love to chat about this during the next two weeks. Um, but it is time to transition into our challenge. Giddy up. All right, so uh, this week's challenge, or this these next two weeks challenge, just to recap, challenge rules, uh, it's the next uh, two weeks, so we only do Monday through Friday challenges, you can do stuff on the weekends if you want to, um, but kind of the expectation would be a total of 10 days over two weeks. Uh, again, simple daily tasks. This one is going to be less simple than the previous, uh, previous was just reading Psalm 1 every single day. This one is going to require a solid 15 minutes of your time. Uh, and we'll kind of explain the thought process behind this here in a minute. But it's 15 minutes of whatever your chosen workout is. Uh, I know Banjo is probably going to go try and go on a run. Um, it could be you could go on a walk. You could do yoga. I I don't, I don't really. Th- the world is the world is your oyster here. Find I have your a, play. Find yeah, your play. Find your and play. Do that. Uh, I have one friend who just loves lifting weights. Um, so I would encourage him. Um, or if anyone else li- lifts weights, get. Go do that, whatever it is. Um, but the stipulation is you have to t- do these this 15-minute workout. It could be part of a larger workout without headphones in, um, without talking to others. I mean, if you need to because you're in a gym or something or if you you know are running and you, you need to let them know you're there. Um, but the point is be get let, let the experience of the workout kind of fill your mind more than anything else, right? Go distraction-free. Um, if you're like me, so like I, I do, uh, I participate in a men's workout group, um, where there's other guys talking the whole time. I would have to find part, find a 15 minutes separate from that as part of this, because that would, that's, that's not distraction free in the same sense. Right. Even though it's not headphones in, but this is 15 minutes distraction free, not other people, no headphones, no nothing, just doing whatever your task is. 
Really? So okay, wait. I this now. I now I have a question. Mm-hmm. What if? What if two? Oh no. Or more, forging honor members wanted to get together and do it together in silence. In silence. Yeah. So this is this is a meditative. Because yes. I will, I will. I think I think part of the beauty of of sports is in the doing it together. I think it is in the yes. community aspect. Um, so maybe maybe to to emphasize, and I think I mean that's the thing I think men need to do better is community and doing things together. Right. But the the goal that we're headed for with this particular challenge is get to know yourself better. Correct. Well, and to find, as, as Sheehan puts it, your play. So one of my encouragements, this is not a requirement, but one of my encouragements would be change it up. Go do some, go do a type of workout you haven't necessarily done before or you haven't done very often. So Banjo, you love to run. I do. You, you go get in the gym on one of these days. Guess we'll... You know, yeah, well, that's not the point, remember? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or find some other activity. I, there's all kinds of... Uh, athletic activities out there that would be worth attempting. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. I thoughts, expectations. What do you think? What do you think we're going to learn from this banjo? I'm excited. Uh, I have really gotten out of the habit of physical exercise since graduating college. It was a very busy summer, um, getting married and moving and starting work. So uh, my routines physically are, are, are all over the place and it's really starting to weigh on me a good bit. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to get back into the habit, uh, and to have even a virtual crew to do it with, uh, and to say, no, but I, I did it today. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to get more in shape, uh, cause this is the longest that I've been out of shape, um, in, in probably eight years. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to get back into it. Right. How about you? And, Absolutely. Uh, just kind of a quick note. Don't hurt yourself if you haven't. Like, I mean, I haven't run in a while, actually. I, totally. I, we've been saying I'm a runner, but I haven't run a, a much. So if I go out there and I just try to knock out a couple miles, like ah, that might, might not go too well. So I might do 15 minutes of walking one day. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm excited as, as well. I've been getting back into a uh, physical routine. Like I said, I participate in a men's workout group. Um, but that said, I think I've done that a lot out of kind of out of the obligation of I need to stay in shape, right? That's not the point of this challenge at all. It's it's about discovering activity through your body in some way, um, and and moving closer to God, kind of figuring yourself out a little bit. I don't know. I I think I think it'll be good. I'm not entirely one hundred percent sure what to expect. I think the main thing I'm excited about is the no music, no podcasts. Oh, that's gonna kill me. Doing it in silence. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt a little bit, especially at first, I think. Um, but I think it's gonna it's going to help in a lot of ways. Good deal. So, uh, with that, I think that wraps up wraps up our episode. This has been the Forging Honor Podcast. Music and production is done by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. On the website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the resources we mentioned in the show. 
And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links. So thank you in advance. Thanks for taking the time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of forging honor. We'll see you next time. Thank you.